Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures again with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. We're glad you were able to join us again for another session of Scripture searching and Bible study. We've been examining the famous parable of the sower, or the soils, as a central piece of instruction from Jesus himself telling us how salvation works and how his message progresses under different conditions. You remember that the first category of hearer in this famous parable fails to grasp the message and begin on the road that leads to salvation. The second category does a little better. These are people who grasp the message with eagerness and they believe for a while they are Christians for a while, that is. Luke 8.13 says it plainly. They believe for a while. But something intervenes to impede their progress. And the interference is caused by what Jesus calls temptation, persecution, or trial and tribulation. Any kind of suffering because of the word, that is, because of the message. Persecution because of the gospel of the kingdom of God as Jesus defines it here. Now, this causes them to back away from holding on to the message and to withdraw from Christian fellowship. That's the second category. In the third category, what ruins their progress is more subtle and probably less spectacular. A number of factors, Jesus says, intervene to prevent fruit from being born. These are listed as the deceit of riches the cares of this present age and the pleasures of other things or the pleasures of life. These are those subtle influences which draw us away from maintaining the priority of the kingdom of God in our lives. These are the factors which prevent even that group which started out well on the race for salvation from reaching the finishing tape. Let's focus our attention a moment on what Jesus says about the activity of the devil. In Jesus' illustration of the sower and the soils, he notes that the fowls of the air came and snatched the message away. Satan, as prince of the power of the air, snatches away the message of the kingdom. The devil's strategy is here exposed to the light. He has thousands of emissaries whose full-time job it is to prevent the sowing of the saving gospel of the kingdom of God. And Mark remembered Jesus as saying that this was done immediately. How does Satan work? Surely we would all like to know his game plan. We are not ignorant of his devices, says Paul. But what are these schemes? Well, Jesus supplies just the answer we need. Satan attempts to block the progress of the gospel message about the kingdom. He tries to turn our hearts from the truth. Satan cannot stand truth the truth as Jesus taught it, because Jesus' truth exposes the lies of the devil. And remember, the devil is a master liar. He is the father of lies from the beginning. Now, Satan uses our own prejudice as an effective weapon. We are all of us conditioned by our traditional cherished understandings of the Bible to accept some things and reject others. But what if we ourselves are to some degree deceived? 
the only safe policy for all of us is to test all things carefully. Satan understands all too well the vitality of God's gospel, what Jesus illustrated as a seed. There's living energy in the words of Jesus. Didn't he himself say in John 6:63 that the words that he spoke to us are spirit and life? You see, there's vitality and potency in the Word of God. The Word of God is backed by the Spirit. It's the creative activity and energy of God himself. Now, it's the message of Jesus' gospel of the kingdom, which contains the seed of immortality, of which, of course, we can have a foretaste even now. The Spirit of God is the energy in the creative Word of God. The seed of the gospel of the kingdom of God is powerful enough to bring about a rebirth, without which we cannot enter the kingdom of God, according to Jesus' words in John chapter 3. Here in Luke 8 verse 12, says a distinguished commentator, we have the whole plan of salvation. Luke 8.12 is a veritable John 3.16. Why doesn't it share equal popularity with John 3.16? In Luke 8.12, we have the subject, the object, the instrument, and the final result. What a marvelous encapsulation. What a brilliant insight on the part of Jesus. What a precious lesson. What a mountain of tragedy could be spared us if we would only listen to the words of Jesus here, ponder his words, treasure them. The subject in Luke 8.12 is the human person who needs immortality, the destiny which God wishes for all of us. The object offered to us is the message about the kingdom of God, the gospel message. The means of putting us in touch with the message is faith, which is believing Jesus, believing his words, and thus believing in him. The final result is salvation, which begins now when we accept the message of the kingdom and ends when we finally gain immortality in that future kingdom through the resurrection. What strikes me most about this parable is that it was only the fourth category of seeds sown which actually produced fruit successfully for the kingdom of God. And the results produced were in varying measure, either thirty or sixty or a hundredfold. It's clear then from Jesus' master parable here in Luke 8, Matthew 13 and Mark 4 that the whole Christian building is erected on what he calls his gospel message about the kingdom of God. I hope that we've established a fundamental truth as we search the meaning of Jesus' gospel. Don't forget that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus, in that passage in Luke 19, had just spoken of salvation coming to a repentant tax collector, Zacchaeus. It's a strange thing, but many seem to think today that the only thing that really counts about Jesus is his death and resurrection. They seem to have forgotten that Jesus came to preach the gospel of salvation. Luke 8:12 is a key verse here. That verse provides a brilliant intelligence report by Jesus on what is happening behind the scenes in the spiritual realms. It tells us what the devil is doing. And knowing what the devil is doing teaches us where the real issues are. If we can discover what the devil is against, 
we will also be able to see what is most important for Jesus and his Father. Luke 8.12 tells us that the devil is constantly trying to remove the gospel of the kingdom from the hearts of potential believers. Now, that's not just a vague destruction of the Bible that preoccupies the devil, according to Jesus, but quite specifically, Jesus' own gospel of the kingdom of God. That's where the devil is busy. It is against Jesus' gospel message of the kingdom that the devil is mounting every possible form of opposition. Perhaps it's not surprising, then, that people generally, and I mean churchgoers even, and others working in the field of the Bible, have not been unaffected by this campaign of the devil. The devil is a most subtle worker. He sneaks up unexpected. He seems to have convinced a number of believers that the gospel teaching of Jesus is of minimal value to the Christian. Such an idea is absolutely false, as judged by the words of Jesus himself. Jesus said that he came for one main purpose, that's to say, to preach the saving gospel of the kingdom of God. Luke 4, verse 43. Jesus did not just come to preach vaguely. He came to preach the specific message of the gospel of the kingdom. Quite definitely and specifically, a message which God had given him and entrusted to him, which in shorthand form appears as the word of God in Luke 5, 1, or simply the word. Later, Jesus again defined his mission. In Luke 19, verse 10, he said that his whole purpose was to seek and save the lost. Now, this was before Jesus died and rose. One of the most disastrous ideas that has ever gained ground is that Jesus did not do any saving or gospel preaching before he died. The Bible says he did. Jesus says that he was saving people by preaching the message of the kingdom. It's amazing the lengths that some have gone to to get rid of this elementary fact. Some have devised a system of interpretation which excuses them from preaching the gospel of the kingdom as Jesus always preached it. They say that the gospel of the kingdom is no longer the gospel for us today. If you have been drawn into accepting this theory, I invite you to have another look. Jesus never said that his gospel was going to become obsolete at any time. He never said that the gospel of the kingdom should not be preached except by Jews in the future. And yet that is what some have been led to believe. I want to invite you to search out this matter of the definition and content of the gospel most carefully. Nothing is more important than our understanding of the gospel. It's by faith in the gospel that we're going to be rescued from death. So there's no more important issue than knowing what that gospel is. You can't believe the gospel without first understanding what the gospel announces. That's why we're focusing on Jesus' kingdom gospel in these programs. There's an urgent need to call Bible readers back to the saving words of Jesus. We've been somehow lured into thinking that Jesus did not do much of significance until he died. There's a theory around today, and it has its roots earlier in this century, that Jesus came to do three days' work only. I've actually seen that idea in a widely spread tract offering salvation. The notion is that Jesus' death and resurrection is the only thing that really matters in the gospel. Half the gospel, says this tract, is the death of Jesus, and the other half is the resurrection. Now, I want you to think carefully about that. Is it true that Jesus came to do only three days' work? What about John 17, verse 4, where Jesus 
before he died, said, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. He was addressing God his Father, the one God of Israel. And he said, I finished the work which you gave me to do. And this was before he died. So this must prove that Jesus was doing God's work for three and a half years prior to his death. Now, I'm not, of course, saying that the later work he accomplished on the cross was not important. Of course not. What I am saying is that Jesus' activity as a preacher of the gospel of the kingdom before he died was fundamentally important for our salvation also. That's what Jesus said. He said that the work God gave him to do was to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, Luke 4.43, and to save lost people, Luke 19, verse 10. There it is in black and white. Let me suggest a way in which you can check these amazing facts for yourself. Browse in a Christian bookstore sometime and look at the tracts which offer salvation and how to get it. See if you can find anything there about Jesus' kingdom preaching. The widespread idea seems to be that it's only the death and resurrection of Jesus which really matter in the gospel. But that's a half-truth and a dangerous one. It has a way of eliminating the whole ministry of Jesus before he died. We leave you to ponder these important matters about the content of the Christian gospel. Look up the verses we've been referring to in their context. Join us again as we continue to probe the most basic questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.